Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad here in Hoover at SEC Media Days. As you're listening today on uh, Wednesday, this is Mississippi State's day at the podium, so you already know tomorrow's pod. I'll be uh, recapping everything that Joe Moorhead and his uh, players are saying. But today on the show, we got a, we're going to take a little bit of a different tack. we got the positional breakdown and an opponent preview. Before we get started, let's give a uh, thanks to you guys for checking in with us this morning. We appreciate you listening, however you're listening to us, be it at supertalk.fm or any of the numerous podcasting options that are out there. Appreciate you guys letting me know some of the different places you're, you're getting this show from. I had never heard of some of them. So anywhere you're listening to podcasts, Thunder and Lightning is available to you, and we appreciate you guys being part of our being part of your day and, of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners out there, especially our servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedom. We want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Uh, if you haven't made it over there this summer to get yourself a, a fresh-made sundae with that homemade ice cream and all the great toppings, well, you're certainly missing out. You know, I, I, I am missing out. I haven't been over there. Now, obviously, that's by design with me, but don't think there haven't been some days I haven't thought, you know, I could just go in there and... And just get a Sunday, and nobody would know. I'm, I, and then somebody would find out. I, I, don't, I shouldn't tempt myself like that. But you are free to give in to that temptation and go check out our friends at Strange Brew and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Positional breakdown time. We talked about the offensive line a little bit on yesterday's show in those what ifs and those best case, worst case scenarios. And looking at this line, you know, I think you've got a lot of experience. You've got a lot of guys who have played, you know, meaningful snaps. You're bringing back three starters plus your top, what, three reserves, top four reserves from a season ago. So, you know, on paper, that seems like a pretty good deal. And, you know, it starts in the middle with Daryl Williams, who I think is a a potential first, second round uh, NFL draft choice, much the same way that uh, Elton Jenkins was. I think he's going to have a a fantastic senior season. He's been a, a, you know, I think a couple of time SEC offensive lineman of the week has just been a real mauler for MSU last year at that left guard position. Now he moves to center. You know, we'll see how that that move treats him. That's what that's going to be sort of the theme of this. And we talked about that yesterday again that so many of these pieces have been moved around. You know, Darian Parker and, and Stuart Reese at guard. Reese, a two year starter at right tackle, now moves inside. Parker, you know, a redshirt junior has not seen a ton of playing time. This is his first you know year as a starter. Uh, but they're they're pretty high on him. It's so much so that they've got him ahead of Michael Story, who I think if you had said asked me going into spring who was going to be the, one of the starting guards, Michael Story would have definitely been uh, my choice. You know, a redshirt senior who's played in a lot of games. The fact that you're able to bring a guy like Story off the bench and use him as a reserve that's a big thing for Mississippi State. The tackle positions: Tyree Phillips. And Greg Island, Island, of course, making the shift, another moving piece for MSU over to right tackle after a season at left tackle. Tyree Phillips takes over the JUCO transfer at Alley Senior out of EMCC. Backing them up, Tommy Champion, another redshirt senior, another guy who played a lot of, of snaps last season. And then listed as the backup for now is Cotravius Johnson, dollar bill, six foot seven and 335 pounds, four-star offensive lineman, part of that 2018 class, redshirted a season ago. Looking forward to seeing, you know, what he can do. Another guy who honestly I think when you look ahead to next season will probably make that move to right tackle and make the move for Charles Cross as a, a redshirt freshman to come in, the five-star kid out of Laurel. Uh, Cross will be a depth guy this year. I don't know, you know, right 
right now. We did a show about that a few weeks ago. Does he redshirt this season, or is he as a five-star kid? Does he provide the kind of uh, impact that you know MSU's last five-star signee, Jeffrey Simmons, did? Um, I think it's more likely you're going to see a redshirt year out of Charles Cross. LaQuinston Sharp is another guy that I'm interested in, another backup who, you know, sort of followed the same path that MSU's been taking with a lot of these JUCO uh, guys. You know, does he redshirt or does he come in this year and play? I think, you know, State's had so much success with guys like Phillips, Tommy Champion, Martinez Rankin before them, of being able to redshirt these guys. That that, that might end up being the case for Tom, for Sharp this year. That said, you know, State needs a second guard, and he might be the uh, the best option. An early enrollee, he went through spring practice. He's been here since December, so he might have a little bit of a jump over some of those guys who didn't come in until later in the signing periods or later in the year. If you if you made me guess right now, he's probably he's probably going to play this year. I think that's going to be the case. But at the same time, I won't be completely surprised if he does not play. And he does to, or you know, just takes his four games and and red shirts. So, you know, that's a good problem to have that you you would think uh, for Mississippi State. And then just looking around, you know, some other names to watch. Uh, you know, does Cameron Jones make a, a move forward this year? Another red shirt freshman out of Starkville, six foot five, three hundred twenty five pounds. Uh, you know, James Jackson's moved back to uh, the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, he was a guy I think might have been the second center for Mississippi State. Not going to be that case this year. And, you know, you're going to see a lot of those true freshmen, not only Charles Cross, but those guys are going to play and, and get to play and get their red shirt in. Guys like Brandon Cunningham and Nick Penley and Brevin Jones. Cordavian Suggs is an interesting name. You know, this is a guy who was sort of signed as, you know, MSU's tackle of the future. And then in the next two classes back-to-back, you get Johnson and, and, and Cross. And so he's sort of fallen on the back burner a little bit. You know, what kind of uh, of impact can he make for Mississippi State? A talented kid, six foot six, 315 pounds. Can he move forward and become a, a player on this line? You know, I think he, he has an opportunity to be one of those swing tackles, a guy who can come in and give you some reps there. You know, on the outside positions, I don't know how much he could do at guard just because of his height. You know, six foot six, so that's a big guard at that point. Um, so I think State's got good depth. They've got a lot of guys who've played. You've got three starters back. There's no reason to think this is going to be a weakness. There's no reason to think that Mississippi State's not going to be good on the offensive line, that they won't be able to control the line of scrimmage against most of the teams they play, that they won't be able to you know, be effective in the run game and be productive in the passing game, especially when it comes to production. I think this is going to be a pretty good offensive line. I'm not as high on it as I was a season ago. You know, now last season when you brought back Elton Jenkins and you brought back Deion Calhoun, I felt just a little bit better. You know, Jenkins in his second year at center, Calhoun was a two-year starter. You know, obviously, you know, the, the move to center can be a tough one because not only are you talking about you've got to snap the ball, but now you're the guy that's making all of the calls. You're the guy who's sort of, you know, the quarterback of that, that unit. And, I, and not that I don't think Darrell Williams is perfectly capable of handling that. You know, he's a three-year starter. He's going to be familiar with everything. I don't think that's going to be much of a stretch for him. But at the same time, it can be a little taxing. So we'll see how that works out. Parker is obviously the biggest question mark just because I don't see – you just don't see a lot of him. I would tell you that of, of Tyree Phillips, Tommy Champion, and Darian Parker, Parker played the least of those guys last year. You know, so like I said, I, I, and I, you know, Michael Story – uh, obviously had the uh, the legal issues that kept him off the field for a time. I wonder how, you know if that that stunted this this year for him. You know, it's 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 probably not the case, but at the same time, I always thought Michael Story was on pace to be a starter this year. The fact that he's not makes you wonder about that. So, 
you know, the left side of the line sort of knew the right side of the line is experienced, but at the same time, they're playing the positions <coughs> excuse me, that they did not play a season ago. So it's a very interesting setup for Mississippi State up front. Um, and for a team that you know has to be better offensively this season if they want to have any kind of success uh, with a new quarterback coming in, um, you know, this is going to be, you know, this is a, a situation that for me that the schedule plays very favorably for Mississippi State. Getting those three non-conference games under your belt before you have to enter conference play with Kentucky at home should be really big for this unit as they try to sort everything out and figure out what's going to be rotations and, and what's going to be, you know, this, that, and the other for them. This is that it's good to have those three games up ahead of time, games that you feel like physically you're going to just be superior to your opponent. And you don't have to, you know, worry as much about that as you do, you know, just executing and doing the, the little things right. When you look at Louisiana Lafayette, Kansas State, and uh, and Southern Miss, those are three teams that Mississippi State should just be better than up front. You know, they, you're talking about, you know, a, a Sun Belt team, a Conference USA team, and a, a, you know, mid to lower tier Big 12 team. You have to trust that Mississippi State has better athletes up front. That's, you know, you look at the last couple of years. When State's played USM, they've been able to dominate the running game. When they played uh, Louisiana Lafayette and when they played uh, Kansas State last year, they ran the ball very, very effectively. So, you know, no reason to think that's not going to be the case this year. And then you should have the confidence built up. Now, it's the same situation that you were in a season ago. Don't, don't ever forget that. They were 3-0 and heading up to Kentucky. Much different Kentucky team, though, uh, this time around. So... I think State takes advantage of those three games, and I think this is going to be another solid unit. Is it the best unit in the SEC? No, not by a long shot. But you've got, you know, I think Williams is an NFL guy. I think that, you know, Island has the frame to be an NFL guy. We'll see how he develops and how he looks at right tackle this year. Tyree Phillips is a guy who, you know, he could make that kind of, you know, be a late-round selection if things work out for him. And then, you know, the young guys, I think, you know, Johnson and and, and Cross have really, really bright futures at Mississippi State. So... It's a it's a good it's a good offensive line. It's going to be very similar to what we've seen in the past, because the you know there's not a ton of star talent there. These are guys that have developed, that have put in the work, and and you know all the cliches that a coach would want to give you about you know what happens when you take an an, an underrated player and you turn him into a star. Daryl Williams was a guy you know I think he had an offer from Auburn uh, coming out of high school, but for the most part you know Island Reese. Uh, you know these guys, Parker. They not a lot of Power Five offers between them, so this is definitely going to be a group that if it does well, you can feel like it's overachieved, and you can put that on coaching first with John Hevesy. You know, with some of these guys, obviously a guy like Daryl Williams and Reese started under him, and then you know what Marcus Johnson's been able to do ever since. I, I think we talked about this the other day that I'm very high on Marcus Johnson. I think he's a really, really good offensive line coach, and he's the guy who can sort of keep that tradition alive of state developing talent. Uh, at the position. The, the question is going to be, can he bring in higher level talent? He's off to a pretty good start with that, with the guys he brought in in the 2019 class. So, again, you know, this offensive line, they're going to be good. They're going to be very, very solid. We'll see uh, long term, you know, if there's another star in this group. Is there another Elton Jenkins who could be a second round, first round pick? I think Darrell Williams could be that. Is there anybody else along the lines of that? I don't know. We'll find out uh, more. We'll talk more about the uh, the defensive line uh, on our next uh, positional breakdown next week when Joel is back. No, I'm sorry. That's two weeks from now. Yeah, let's, let's not forget about that. All right. 
then we're going to switch gears. Let's talk about an opponent preview, and we are at the LSU Tigers. For me, this was the most embarrassing loss for State a season ago. You know, they went up to Kentucky, and they got manhandled a little bit, but I thought that was just more of a mentally they weren't ready to play. I think the emotions of the Florida game were, were definitely in play, but at the same time, State played very, very poorly. But they never played more poorly than they did in Baton Rouge. Uh, four interception day from Nick Fitzgerald. And this was probably Joe Moorhead's worst game as well. The, the offensive game plan he put together for this game simply – did not work. Uh, I don't know why, looking back, he thought that they could be more su- successful passing than running. And this was really the game that spotlighted the inability to get the ball into your hands of, of your playmakers, Kylan Hill and Eris Williams. They simply just were not part of the game plan. And Fitzgerald just kept, hand, kept keeping the ball and keeping the ball and keeping the ball. And you end up losing a game 19-3 to where, you know, the one touchdown LSU scores comes, off, comes after an interception taken down to the three-yard line. And then you held them to field goals the rest of the night. But you could not do anything offensively. You turn, you know, this this to me was states. This if you said sum up MSU season in one game, I would point to this one where the offense completely disappointed. The defense was fantastic, but it didn't but it just wasn't enough. And I thought the coaching in this game was really really bad for for my money. Uh a year later, you know, it's funny, and I'm going to talk we're talking in just a moment here with Matt Moscona from ESPN 104.5 down in uh Baton Rouge. He was kind enough to join me. And the first question I asked him, and we'll talk about it when we come back, is it's crazy to me the way LSU, the expectations have flipped. Because a season ago, I would have told you they were probably going 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, and Orgeron's going to be out the door. Instead, they're now a dark horse playoff contender if they can get through that Week 2 game uh, with Texas. We'll talk about that. Let's get to this interview right now. My friend Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5, joins Thunder and Lightning. Opponent preview series continues, and we are at the LSU Tigers, a game that Mississippi State was just dominated in a season ago. I've got Matt Moscona from ESPN 104.5 down in Baton Rouge. Matt, is there a team in the SEC that has had a bigger 180 from last media days to this one in terms of expectations and what people are thinking of them than LSU? Give me a second to think. Um, No. Maybe we'll see how it goes with Kentucky just because there was no expectation really for Kentucky a year ago and they won 10 games. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are high on Missouri this year with Kelly Bryant and the fact that their schedule is super manageable. They, they could be the Kentucky of this year where they maybe win nine or 10 games just because of the schedule. But as far as the perception of the program, I, I don't know that there's any even particularly close. I mean, when you talk about. Ed Ogeron was on the hottest seat. And and that's not just a a media or fan creation. That was at a people of influence around LSU uh, a year ago. We're looking at Ed, looking how they, they, you know, pull the ripcord from that situation. And you go, you you go nine and three, get a great win over Georgia. You dominate Miami, a couple of top 10 wins. You you win a New Year's six game. And now people are looking at this team with everybody returning, a manageable schedule going, is, is this the year they make a run and, and maybe make the playoff? It's 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 drastic. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm ready to make that leap, but it's it's certainly the most drastic turnaround year to year. You talk about making a leap. Joe Burrow, obviously a huge part of LSU's success a season ago, really came on strong at the end of the season, had maybe his best game in the bowl game, the win over Central Florida. What kind of leap can he make this year in what looks like it's going to be a new and more wide-open offense in Baton Rouge? Yeah, and I think the offense suits him really well, which maybe more so even. Because if you understand, he was a dual-threat quarterback in high school, and then you play in Ohio State system with Urban Meyer. It's, it's shotgun, it's whipping around a little bit. 
that's going to look more like what LSU does this year. You know, a year ago, he was learning more of a pro-style offense, taking snaps under center. So I think this is more native to Joe Burrow, this offense. Uh, I think just the very natural progression that, Brian, a year ago at this time, Joe Burrow literally didn't know where his apartment was on campus. <laughs> and I, now he's got a year under his belt. It was like he was on campus three weeks of fall camp, and it's like, hey, you're in Dallas and Jerry World against top ten Miami. Go get him, bro. You know, it's – it was natural to see. You mentioned the, the final month of the season. He, he was great in the final month. Um, yeah, I think the game slowed down for him. And now you've had this whole offseason. The other thing, as a grad transfer, he's taken one online course this semester. So he's basically like a pro. He can show up to the building anytime, watch film, you know, go about his day and let football be his his Ph.D. this year. I, I think Joe Burrow is, you know, regardless of what LSU's win-loss record happens to be, I think Joe's poised for a, a monster season when you've got a, a bevy of really nice running backs and you get your top five receivers back from a year ago and Burrow's more – it just all – it all lines up for, for him to, to continue that progression this year. And you mentioned those playmakers around him. That's one thing LSU's never going to be short on is having guys who can make plays. In the backfield with Brosette gone, who, who's going to step into that role? Because when I think of LSU football, I think – I know it's going to be different this year, yeah. but the power running game, I always think of it. Who's in that role this year? You know, I think they're always going to run the ball, but I, I don't know – I don't think they have the guy that's the 20-carry again back this year. You know, they don't have their Fournette, their guys, their their Daryl Williams, their Jeremy Hill. I just, I, that guy's not on this team. But you know, Clyde Edwards-Elair is back, and I think Clyde is going to be the, the first guy. They had two freshmen coming in that they love with John Emery and Ty Davis-Price. Uh, and then you got um, you got a guy, Chris Curry, who redshirted last year. They, they call him, like, mini beast mode or little beast mode they, they, they look at him like Marshawn Lynch basically that style of runner he's not Marshawn Lynch but he's that style of back so you know, I think it's a committee thing uh, and LSU's had success with that in the past you know the 2011 season where they, they had the great season and lost to Bama in the championship game um, you know it was similar you know uh, where you, you didn't have any back go over a, a thousand yards which had like five backs go over 500 yards so I, I think they'll share the wealth it, you know the interesting thing too is you know, Ed, Ed Ogeron always talks about the USC offenses when he was there with Pete Carroll and of course that was Reggie Bush Lendale White and they had sort of the you know the the, the slash and then the, the smash so to speak the thunder and the lightning if you prefer that but um, very appropriate for this show right <laughs> um, but I think um I think Clyde Edwards Elair is more the Reggie Bush model. I'm, I'm not saying he's Reggie. I'm saying he's that he's that function in the offense. And I think the freshman Ty Davis Price is the Lundale White, 6'1", 230. He'll be the the between the tackles physical guy. So they got they, you're right. I mean they always have guys. Nobody better in the country as a defensive coordinator, in my opinion, than Dave Aranda. He just gets it done, and then you add the talent that LSU has, and it's just a very – it's a dangerous mix for everybody they're playing. How good can that defense be in 2019? Man, really good. They it, they lose Devin White and Greedy Williams, so you have to start there. And those are two major pieces. I mean, Devin White won the Buckus as the best linebacker, and Greedy was a lockdown corner. Uh, but LSU's recruited well enough to where they can they can withstand those losses because they've got more than enough competent guys, especially in the secondary, to replace Greedy. And Christian Fulton last year was having a better year than Greedy before he got injured in the last in the Arkansas game. So Christian Fulton will be your number one lockdown corner. Grant Delpit's back, who's a unanimous All-American at safety. 
Uh, you return your, your your starting defensive line as well. Uh, maybe the biggest piece, though, defensively for LSU is uh, getting Caleb on Chasson back off of injury. That's a guy that nobody really knows about, but he was a you know five-star edge rusher. Uh, played as a freshman behind Arden Key, and then last year was supposed to be his year, and he tore his ACL in the opener against Miami, and so we didn't really get to see any of the any of the promise come to fruition that everyone had talked about. Well, he's he looks great, and he's 100%. And you know, when you have that, I mean, it's this is obvious, but you know, you have that guy like stay with a Montez Sweat. Like when you have the one guy that can rush the passer and win one-on-ones or beat a double team. It just it changes the math defensively. The LSU last year had to get creative to sort of manufacture a pass rush. They brought safeties. They brought you know, Devin White came on delayed blitzes. They just had to find a way to manufacture pressure. Well, if, if Chasson's healthy and is right, and I think this defense could be really, really special because he does change the math defensively for LSU. Will LSU be undefeated when they play Alabama? I don't think so. I, they've got a great shot. But it's, it's hard for me to imagine when you look at, by that point, they will have played on the road to Texas and home games against Auburn and Florida. It, the league is just such a grind. I mean, it's it's a great question, and I think that that's going to be an expectation of a lot of LSU fans because LSU is going to be favored, I think, in the three games I just mentioned. But, you know, just seen it enough. I mean, I can make a case for it. I mean, they're going to be favored against Texas, and Texas lost a bunch from last year. Um, Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since 1999. And then the Florida game, LSU and Florida are kind of mirror images of each other when you look at the rosters and who they have returning. And they played a close game in Gainesville a year ago that Florida won, and you flip that on its head, and LSU wins the home game this year. And yeah, LSU could very well be undefeated. But my, if, if you made me pick it today, I think they'd probably drop one before they get to Alabama. Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5 down in Baton Rouge. Man, thanks so much for joining me. appreciate it. All right, thanks to Matt for his time. We appreciate that. Obviously, we're all very busy here at SEC Media Days. For him to take a few minutes was very, very nice with him. Um, I agree with a lot of what he said. First off, with LSU, you know that there's talent. You know that the skill positions are four- and five-star guys loaded. You know the offensive line is going to be very, very good. And then defensively, they're going to have as much talent as anybody in the country. And then they back that up with the best defensive coordinator in the country, for my money, Dave Aranda. The guy's just a fantastic coach. Um, I am very interested to see this new-look LSU offense because, you know, Two years ago, when LSU hired Matt Canada, we heard sort of the similar things, that they were going to spread the football. You know, you remember Orgeron's opening press conference, perhaps, where he talked about, I believe, to be successful, you have to run a spread offense. And then a few weeks into what Matt Canada wanted to do, they were just running the ball. Uh, then last year, they were a lot, a lot more conservative, and I think that sort of played into Joe Burrow's strengths a season ago. So if he has taken a jump forward, and you guys know I'm a big Joe Burrow doubter myself, uh, if he has taken a step forward, it could be very interesting to see if this LSU offense really does sort of finally take its step into the modern day of college football. I have my doubts about that, though, because I know Orgeron is a very set-in-his-ways, old-school football coach. And when the chips are down, you know, you think about that Texas game, and let's just say Texas gets out to a, a quick start. It's it's 14 to nothing or 17-3 to Texas in the second quarter. Orgeron is going to want to get away from, from passing. He's going to want to try to establish the run and go forward from there. So if he decides to commit to this, we'll see what Burrow can do. If, if not, they can still be very successful because of the, the talent they have. Um, they just have better players than almost everybody on their schedule. You know, and that's that's sort of the reason we've been on uh, down on LSU the past few years because this has always been the case. Outside of Alabama, who is LSU playing that they're not more talented than? Um, 
When it comes to Mississippi State, LSU, looking ahead to that game, obviously it's here in Starkville. The one home game is sort of the, uh, if you look at the schedule and how weird it is, this is the middle, this is the home game in October that State has. It's the only one from the end of September to the beginning of November, or really the middle of November that MSU has. This is a game against LSU. So you have to think it'll be a rowdy and raucous crowd because you'll have Bulldog fans who haven't seen their team at home in, uh, what, four weeks at that point. Um, and at the end of the day, LSU and Mississippi State, it's still sort of a matchup that State isn't out of the woods on in terms of, you know, State can match up pretty well with LSU. Uh, now, with LSU and their ability to run the football, this is a game where if you haven't figured it out at defensive tackle, you're going to be really in trouble. Uh, you've got to figure that stuff out by this point in the season. But at the same time, State's pass rush, you know, you look at Burroughs' numbers in this game a season ago, and they weren't great. Montez Sweat had a couple of sacks in this game. State was able to consistently put pressure on him. Uh, if Chauncey Rivers and Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, Fletcher Adams can be those guys who, you know, sort of replace Sweat by committee, then this could be a game where you, you harass Burrow and you maybe make, make him make a mistake. Um, but if you you know you, you let him thrive back there, he he can't he does have the potential to sort of pick you apart. That's going to be the key for LSU this year. Does Joe Burrow go from the guy who doesn't lose the game to the guy who wins the game, the, from game manager to game winner? If he can do that, well then yeah, they've got a great chance to be right there in the playoff uh, talk. If he cannot do that, they're probably going to be nine and three or something like that. Again, they'll probably lose to Texas, probably lose to Florida, maybe and then definitely lose to Alabama at that point. Um, I think sort of 9-3 and three might actually be the floor for them. I don't have any faith in Auburn to beat them. Uh, A&M has never beaten LSU in Baton Rouge. Um, State, Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, I don't, I don't really see that happening. And then there are other uh, East game, I believe. I don't have it in front of me. I'm not even going to try to guess what it is. So, But it, it's not Florida. It's not Georgia. You know who they beat last year, so they, they, they're, whoever they're playing from the East is going to be a team they're they're going to be a, a pretty big favorite against. So, you know, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm super high on the Tigers, but I won't be surprised if they're a ten and two team at the end of this. And I don't know I know that sounds sort of you know um, confusing because well you're not high on them but they'll go ten and two. I mean t- from a talent perspective they should probably only lose to Alabama. You know, I just I, I feel like they'll probably give one away they they shouldn't. The, what what uh, Matt was talking about with us there and. Uh, They'll probably end up ten and two, you know, back in the Sugar Bowl or something like that, and they'll be a top ten team. Uh, we, we, I'm, I'm interested to see if you know when is it going to happen for Alabama? Are they going to be or for LSU? Are they going to finally be able to overtake or get back on the the same playing field as Alabama? I don't know. We'll have to find out a little later uh, down the road. So. LSU Tigers, Mississippi State, mid-October. We'll see if the Bulldogs can find a way uh, to make it two in a row in Starkville, obviously, uh, since uh, the last time LSU was here. State won that game 37-7. We'll see what happens uh, in the, in October later this year. All right, guys. Have a great, uh, what is today, Wednesday, and I will talk to you again on Thursday morning. Again, Thursday, we'll wrap up everything from Media Days. And if you're not following me on Twitter, you need to be doing that, at Brian Haydad, and follow at Sports Talk Mississippi for all the coverage of today's event. On Sports Talk Mississippi at 3 o'clock, we will talk to Joe Moorhead. We will talk to Daryl Williams, talk to Errol Thompson and Farad Green. All those guys will be joining the show, and we will uh, have all that audio for you, along with some of the other great interviews that we're picking up here uh, at SEC Media Days. Have a great uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I, I, I'll get it right eventually. Talk to you again very soon. This has been, this has been Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.